Okay, they're handing out a paper that has all my scriptures down because I feel like the scriptures are the most important part and I want you to be able to look at them while I'm talking about them. So I am talking about the power of walking together and this is going to be more of a think tank than it is like a lecture or a class because I just want to spend some time thinking about this and... I don't have any prepared jokes or anything, so you're just going to have to... I might ad-lib every now and then, but you know. I already asked Melissa if I tell a joke to make sure she laughs, so... <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so wouldn't it be great if all of us here had a powerful walk together with God? That would be an awesome thing, wouldn't it? And you know, that is actually what God wants for us. And he has a plan already for us to do that. And it's the church. That is his plan for us walking together. And so right now, actually, you know, this whole weekend is about us just getting away, taking some time to refocus, rethink, you know, just kind of examine where we're at. And um, that's what I want us to do right now is to rethink and reexamine our walk together. Uh, so... A lot of the stuff I've been thinking about the last few months and I'm still just kind of thinking through some things because I want to make sure I'm doing what God wants me to be doing, uh, when it, especially when it comes to this. You know, our goal should be to please God. And uh, let's see here. And I want to take a second just to say this, and I'm thinking about the church. I just want to tell all of you that I am very honored to get to be part of this church with all of you. And there's a lot of really good-hearted women in our church. And I watch you guys. You know, we may not always talk, but I watch you. I know your heart. I know what you do. I watch some of you, you know, launch out in faith. Some of you do brave things. Some of you do hard things. And you guys keep me going. And that's kind of what... How it's supposed to be. You know, you spur me on and you encourage me. And so I just want to tell you, it's an honor to be part of you guys. And, you know, I'm very grateful for all of you. So let me go ahead and get started in this. Um, like I just said, if we could do church the way God intended and walk together as he planned, we would have such a powerful walk and it would be amazing. So my first point is pretty much what I just said, that God has a sacred plan for us to walk together, the church. And I'm going to look at a few verses that are very familiar to, some of them are very familiar, but, you know, try to take a fresh look at them. Don't, don't just like, oh yeah, yeah, I know this one. Try to take a fresh look at it. Gary mentioned several months ago that sometimes we just skim over verses you know, and we don't really catch it. And since he said that, I've noticed I do that because, you know, you read it like, oh, that part's really good. That part, I don't really know what that meant exactly, but I'm just going to keep on going. And there's been a few verses in the last several months that I'm like, wow, what does that actually mean? And I've got one of them in here. But uh, the first verse is Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Okay, we know this. We are members of the household of God, and he calls it a holy temple. And, you know, when we get together, I mean, and we know this, but we don't consciously think about this. When we are together, that means God's spirit is here. God is here with us. Uh, like, you know, on Sunday mornings, when we have small group, when you're at cross chat, when you get together and do things, we're, we are the holy temple of God. And, you know, that's an honor to get to be part of that. Okay, let me look at the next one. 1 Corinthians 3:16 through 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Again, he's saying we are God's temple, and the Holy Spirit dwells with us, and he calls it sacred. And not only does he call it sacred, he warns us. This is a little, one of those little verses you skim over. God will destroy that person. Doesn't that make you stop and think? What if I'm doing something to destroy God's temple? God is going to destroy me? You know, that's some pretty stern talk there. Uh, you know, but he's saying this is sacred. Don't mess with it. Okay, let me go on. Ephesians 3, 8 through 10. Although I am least, although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is a fine example of one of those verses. Even now I'm reading this, I'm like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's kind of hard to follow. But the part I want to focus on is, he's saying that it was God's intent through the church to show his wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So now stop and think about that for a minute. He's saying that, the heavenly beings, the rulers and the authorities, that they look at the church and they see God's wisdom, you know, because of what he planned. That's kind of mind-boggling to me when you stop and think about that. First of all, I don't normally think about heavenly beings, but because that's just kind of like, oh, wow. But, you know, you look outside here and you kind of look up in the sky, up in the heavenly regions, there's, you know, and, and it's, I looked up some of this stuff, they think that that was... You know, he's probably talking about the angels and about Satan's army. They're the heavenly beings that look at the church and they are able to see God's wisdom. So, you know, when you think about the church then, it needs to be a place that God designed and it needs, you know, so they can show his wisdom. So I want to end every point that I have with just a little, because like I said, I just want this to be a time to think, you know, just to think about are we pleasing God? You know, are we having the right mindset and the right thoughts about what he had in mind for our walk together? So every point I want to end it with, so what does this mean for all of us? So these verses that we just looked at, I would say that it means that I need to look at it as holy and treat it as sacred. 
And I think, ooh, the door is open by itself over there. I don't know, I'm thinking. <laughs> it's one of those unseen beings we were talking about. <laughs> I didn't plan that, by the way. <laughs> okay, you know, and, and I, there's so much that we could talk about with this, and I don't have time to talk about all of it. So I would just like to ask you to think about it, because it's very important. But how do you treat the church as holy and treat it as sacred? That's just something we're going to have to think about. Um, also, I need to make sure I'm not doing anything to harm it, to divide it, to criticize it. Um, you know, that, that scripture said, you know, if you do something to destroy the temple, God's going to destroy you. That's a warning. And I don't think, especially nowadays, we're not used to thinking about church like this as a, a, a sacred, holy thing, that it's God's temple. We're used to thinking, you know, we'll go here, we'll go there. I don't think I like this. You know, that's not what God's trying to tell us here in, in his word. Uh, you know, and also what does it mean for us when we're, when the church is together, you need to remember that you're in God's presence. It's in a sacred place. Um, I've been trying to practice doing that a little bit, you know, like on Sunday mornings when we're together. And I'll tell you, I've spent quite some time over the past several years. You guys all know, like years ago when I was in charge of the children's ministry, your mind can work much faster than somebody can talk up front. So you listen to a sermon, and you scan the crowd, and you're thinking, hmm, you know what so-and-so did? I bet they could teach the two-year-old class. You know, you do a lot of stuff like that. We all do. You check your phone, you got to check your Facebook. So I've been trying to practice more just having that mindset that this is a sacred, holy place, and that God is here with us, and just, you know, thinking of it like that. So, and again, like I said, you know, I am honored to be part of this church with you guys. And I don't know, I have a lot of respect for a lot of you and think very highly of your your heart and what you do, trying to please God. Okay, the second point I have down, <clears throat> God has given us commands and an example for us walking together. There's two commands or desires that he gave us, first of all. I'm going to kind of do this quickly because we know these things. John 13, 34 through 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Obviously, he's telling us to love one another. John 17, 20 through 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. That's two commands or desires that he has, is that we have love and unity. That's his plan. <clears throat> this is another thing I've been thinking about myself. Am I doing things to promote love and promote unity? Um, that's a, just a, another thing that we need to think about. And, you know, when the church is the church, the world is drawn to God. That's his plan. When we are loving each other, they can look at us and see that we're his disciples. When we have unity, it says 
When we have unity, the world will know that you sent me. That's God's plan. And I think, you know, I think love and unity cannot be overemphasized. And I think that that's obviously it's the devil's greatest plan to chip away at those two things because he knows that's God's plan. And if we're not having the kind of love and unity that God wants us to have, it doesn't matter what else we do. We could work ourselves silly reaching out to the lost, doing this, doing that. But if we don't have love and unity, you know, then it's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of useless in a way. Okay, this the next part, God gave us an example to follow in our walking together. And that's the New Testament church. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, the New Testament church wasn't trying to be the New Testament church. You know, they weren't just, okay, here's a list of rules. We're going to follow these rules. There was a big why behind what they did. And I want you to try to admit it, try to kind of put yourself there and visualize what was going on with them. They had just found out that the Messiah, who they heard was coming for hundreds of years, he just came and he died for their sins. And he was resurrected, and now they get to be part of the kingdom. That was their big why behind what they were doing. You know, they found out they could be reconciled to God and be part of God's kingdom. They were filled with joy and awe at all the things that were done. And I was thinking, to try and imagine what that would feel like, I think that would be like if Jesus came back right now. You know, because we know Jesus is coming back. And we've heard of Jesus coming back for hundreds of years. But what if he came back today? Can you imagine how we would feel? I know I would feel like, oh my gosh, he really did it. You know, because sometimes you think, well, I guess he's coming back, you know. But I think that's how they felt. And that was their big why behind what they did. Um, I want to read Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I know that this verse here is... Probably something that we've looked at a lot over the years, but I don't know if recently, if we have asked ourselves, you know, are we doing these things ourselves now? Okay, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so... You know, it says they were devoted, which means continuing steadfastly. And it's a Greek word that means diligence or earnestness. So they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. You know, they learned the teachings. They taught it. They knew there was power in God's word. They were devoted to prayer. You know, and they gathered just to pray. And they expected God to act after they prayed. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Um... You know, like we just said, and it meant, it really meant something because the Messiah had just come. They were devoted to the fellowship, which it actually, the fellowship part probably applies more to this lesson because that's the walking together. But the Greek word for the fellowship here is, it had the idea of a shared life. You know, it's also translated partnership and participation in some other verses. And it just means that they had a common life, and it gives the whole idea of togetherness and sharing in common. 
And the church in fellowship is where they initially put into practice kingdom living. And I think what God had in mind was for his people being part of a community, doing God's will together. Um, and I think, you know, in, in fellowship, that's where we get support and encouragement for our walk together. That's where we learn from each other. I can remember, some of you better, you remember like, I don't know, in my, I have like this old mindset of like the fellowship hall. You know, that's where you go for like snacks after something, you know. <laughs> for what? Yes, exactly. But, you know, that's not really the idea of fellowship. So to me, fellowship is like an old, outdated word. But it's not really. I mean, that's not what it's supposed to be. Um, anyway. Okay, the other thing they were devoted. Well, it doesn't say they were devoted to this. But they praised God. And everywhere they went, they told the good news. They were a commissioned people with a purpose. And... Uh, they were this way, and, and we should be this way too. You know, I read this in a book, and it kind of got me, but it says, we have found a treasure in the field. We have found a pearl of great value. We have been invited to a great feast. And it's talking about, you know, they had a purpose because of that. Okay, so to wrap up this point, what does this mean for all of us? Um, I think... And I don't think I mentioned this yet, but we need to make sure our expectations are based on God's plans and God's commands. You know, when you're bothered about something, are you, is it because God's word's not being obeyed? Or is it because of your expectations are not being met? And I'm not even going to try to give examples because it could be anything, you know. And it's a struggle for us at different times, of course. But getting back to, I mean, we just want to make sure that our whole goal is to please God and making sure that we have the same mindset that God wants us to have when it comes to our walk together. <clears throat> okay. Um, are you doing things that promote love and unity in the Lord's church, in the sacred church that he has? Are you being devoted to those things? And especially when we're talking about our walk together, are you? would you say that you're devoted to the fellowship? Would somebody else say you're devoted to the fellowship? You know, that's just something you'll have to think about yourself because there's not like a black and white test we can take, you know. I did this, I did that, you know. Um, are, is the big why behind your actions the same as God's people in the Bible? You know, are you motivated by the same things that they were motivated by to please God and, and because Jesus had been resurrected for us? Um, and you know what? If we did these things that, that we were just told, the love and the unity and the devotion to those things, we would have a powerful walk together. I mean, as we, we most definitely would. Okay, the third point, God has given us a part in his church. <clears throat> i got two parts to this too, but okay, the first part is he has given a, us a gift to use. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I put down two different versions here because I thought they both gave just a little bit different look to like a more complete picture putting them together. But he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the NLT says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Okay, so he's saying each one of us, every one of us, Every one of us, not just part of us, 
we're given a gift or a manifestation of God's Spirit. And the reason for that was so that we could help each other. You know, we're supposed to use it to build each other up, to do something to help others in the church. That's the reason for it. So let me ask you this question here. If God cares enough about his church to give you this spirit-empowered ability, shouldn't we care enough about the church to use that gift for the same purpose? Okay, just another thought question. Okay, the next part, uh, besides God giving us a gift to use in the church, he's given us commands to obey. And in the New Testament, there's a Greek word that's pronounced something like alelone, and it is translated one another. And it's in the New Testament 100 times. And out of the 100 times, 47 times, it's, it's given in direct instructions to the church. And we're not going to try and read 47 verses. I know you're glad because I'm the last class of the day and you're kind of getting ready for your afternoon nap. But anyway, <laughs> I printed them out here if you're interested. But I thought this was really interesting. I happened to stumble across this on, uh, you know, doing some searches on Google, looking around at things. But out of the 47 verses, about a third of them deal with unity. About a third of them deal with love. And about 15% of them stress an attitude of humility and deference among believers. And I thought that's kind of interesting because we just talked about how important love and unity is in the church and our walk together. Okay, and you know, Japer and I were talking about this a while back about a, and I can't remember what we said exactly, but we were talking about, you know, did we did we love God like with an emotional love? And I'm thinking about this, you know, how much do we love the church? Um, all of us are wired differently. I mean, I do a lot of things out of responsibility and out of obedience and because I'm supposed to. A lot of times it's not some big emotional thing. I mean, it is more now than when I was younger. But, you know, I want you to think about, it. do you love the church? As you look around at your sisters, do you think to yourself, I love these people so much. I pray God empowers me in some way to encourage these people towards a deeper walk with him. You know, and I, you know, that's how God feels about the church. And it's how we should feel about it, too. Okay, so wrapping up the third point. So what does this mean for all of us? It means every person has a part in the body, and it means it's on us to do something. And I just want to kind of throw out, I'm trying to promote the mindset. If you, if you think about something, if you see something, if you notice something, if you have an idea, do something about it. You know, don't wait around for somebody to say, hey, why don't we do this? I mean, you be led by the Spirit, and you follow the Spirit's leading to do something. You see that? It just spit way up. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, because if, if you look at what God is saying in the Bible, now you don't shake your stick at me. <laughs> He's not giving us some mindset of... Uh, Let's all get together and sit in rows and have somebody talk to us and then we're going to go home. That's not the whole idea he's giving us. You know, it's just something to think about. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something I wanted to say, but maybe it'll come back to me. The last point I have, and this is kind of summing everything up, 
God means for us to have a powerful walk together. That's his intent. That's what he's after. It's not Sunday religion and it's not emergency religion or God and country. It's being a commissioned people doing God's will, you know, um, being part of God's kingdom and practicing the things he's told us to do. Okay, I'm going to look at these scriptures. First <clears throat> Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. People in the kingdom are courageous people that have the power of God at work in them. Ephesians 1.19-23 I want you to know about the great and mighty power that God has for us followers. It is the same wonderful power he used when he raised Christ from death and let him sit at his right side in heaven. There Christ rules over all forces, authorities, powers, and rulers. He rules over all the beings in this world and will rule in the future world as well. God has put all things under the power of Christ and for the good of the church, he made him the head of everything. The church is Christ's body and is filled with Christ who completely fills everything. Okay, he's saying that he put this power in us, the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. That power is in us. And that's the same power that we need to use to live like he's telling us to, you know, to treat his uh, church as holy and sacred and to have love and unity. Because it's not always easy to do these things, you know. But he's given us the power to do that. And, you know, he's given us the power to one another, each other. Um, and when you look at this verse, I mean, again, one of the verses you kind of gloss over sometimes. But do you know people that live like this? That live like they have this power in their life? I mean, I can't really sit and think about a lot of... I don't think I live this way, you know. I don't think that... Uh, it's something we've been talking a little bit in a small group about. I don't live like I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's not how I normally live my life, you know. It's not like that. But uh, I mean, I've been spending a lot of time meditating on this and trying to think. And actually, you know, I don't meditate a lot on God's Word. But I did spend time on this verse just laying around and just thinking about what does that mean and why don't we do that. And... I have a little object lesson I would like to do, and I don't know if it's going to drive home the point, but I thought maybe this will kind of lodge in our minds and help us think about this and thinking about the choice that we have. Um, so I need two volunteers, Sheila and Aurora. I already picked you up. Would you please come on up here? Okay. No, I'm not going to throw an egg at you like old times. Okay. So we have this log we're going to need to cut in half, and Aurora is going to use a butter knife. You want to go ahead? Try to, just try to cut it in half and show us what it's like. Just give it a little. Alright. So obviously that's not getting her wearing fat. She could probably cut this in half, but it might take a couple years. I don't know. Now, I couldn't really completely do this object lesson because I didn't think it would be appropriate, so we're going to have to make the lead. Sheila has a chainsaw. And I picked Sheila because we have a common love for power tools. And chainsaws are awesome. 
So I would like to use your pretend chainsaw and cut this in half first. Pretend. Is it starting already? No. Okay. choosing the butter knife but that's how we live our lives we live our lives and we keep going for the butter knife and we have a chainsaw right here you know we have the same power living in us that raised Jesus from the dead and that's the same power that it could be so many things it could be used for in our lives but we want to use the butter knife and I was meditating on why do I do that why do we do that I don't entirely know the answer, but I think there's probably a bunch of reasons. But one thing is, I think sometimes we just don't believe God. We don't believe Him when He said that. We don't live like that. And I think sometimes, you know, we believe our accuser. We believe our enemy when He says, you just need to use this butter knife, you know. And um, right after we got done praying, I was looking on Facebook real quick. Debbie Weiler posted... Uh, some churches video is so powerful you guys should take a look at it it just really got me because it's kind of a side note but it's talking about our enemy and it said know who your enemy is and it it was a video of two antelope fighting headbutting they're headbutting each other there was two other antelope little ways away they saw it coming they ran off but the two fighting antelopes we're just as busy fighting each other, so they didn't see it. Off in the distance, a lion was coming. It's really a powerful video. And of course, because they were so busy fighting each other, the lion just came right up and got one of them just like nothing. And the others that were watching, they ran away. And that's, you know, we have an enemy, you know, and we just need to be careful that we don't believe him. You know, we believe God over our enemy. And, and God says that we have this power in us. <clears throat> Let me read the last verse here. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. <clears throat> I pray that Christ Jesus and the church will forever bring praise to God. His power at work in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. Amen. Okay, so again, he's saying power. And you know, one of the things I like to do is ask myself, you know, uh, for this, for instance, how do you think God feels about us not living by the power he has given us? I don't really think he likes it. You know, I don't think he would be happy that he gave us this and we're not using it. Um, so to sum this up and to sum up the whole lesson, I just want to like, you know, kind of review quickly. God has a sacred plan for us to have a powerful walk together. He wants us to have love and unity. He wants us to be devoted to the fellowship and walking together. And you know, when I say devoted to the fellowship, there's all kinds of things that you have an opportunity to get involved in so that you can have fellowship, that you can have a shared life, so that you can teach each other, 
be taught, encourage each other, walk together, and then there's all kinds of things that you can do yourself. I just want to encourage everybody, take the initiative. Don't be sitting back waiting. You know, you get in there and make something happen. If you need help with it, ask me. I will help you. But he wants us to be devoted to the fellowship and walking together. He wants us to use our gift to build up the church. He wants us to one another each other. And he wants us to use the power he gave us to do all that. When we do what God says and we believe what he says, we will have a powerful walk together. And you know what? If we did that, it would be so amazing. It is really exciting to be involved in feeling like God's using you and doing the things that he wants us to do. Um, you know, it is an exciting life, I think. So that's my lesson. And, you know, to wrap up the whole day, you guys have heard all kinds of things today. I know probably a little bit overloaded on your minds here. But, you know, we do this once a year. But I just want to encourage you, you know, with all the things we've heard today about, you know, Coral's lesson, about in the wilderness. And I don't know what Denise said, but I'm going to listen to it online about being a trailblazer. And Cassie and Emily's lesson was really good about going off the beaten path. And I love Sue's, I love Sue's passion. And she really makes me think about just spending time alone with God. So, so many things for us to think about. But I want to encourage you to try to go back home and spend a little time meditating and thinking about it and soaking it in over the next couple of weeks so that it has an effect on us. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then I'm going to give you a couple of instructions after that. Father, we just want to come to you right now and thank you for this opportunity to get away and look at what you want us to, God, spend time with our sisters. And uh, Lord, I pray that you can just help us to keep growing and seeing things the way you want us to see them. Help us to shed all the things that we've been told, God, the distractions and the, you know, over the years things we've kind of like, yeah, I think that seems right, God. Help us to get rid of that and to see it exactly the way you want us to because God we want to please you that's our goal and uh, help us to live a life like that help us to have a powerful walk together with each other and to please you in that um, thank you so much Lord for all that you've done for us God and we come to you in your son's name amen okay so this kind of concludes today's thank you